This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as London Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26th, 2022. It's from the track The Shifting State of Fintech Investing, sponsored by Alan and Overy, and is titled Lenders Becoming Investors in Their Tech Stack. Speaking on this session are Hillel Olivestone from Cross River, Ryan Zacharia from Jam Fintop, with moderator Sam Bobley from Ocrelis. Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Sam Bobley. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Acrylis. We are a fintech infrastructure company uh, focused on automating the underwriting process for lenders. We service small business lenders, consumer lenders, and mortgage lenders, and, and uh, our customer base includes folks like PayPal, Innova, SoFi, Lending Club, etc. And I think our, our position in the tech stack gives us a, a really unique perspective on the industry. Really excited to talk today about lenders becoming investors in their tech stack, and I think you know, we, we've seen a nice evolution over the years from lenders building their own technology to lenders being more forward about adopting external technology and building a waterfall of different technologies into their tech stack to now lenders even going as far to invest in technology companies and acquire technology companies that are powering their tech stack. Um, and I have a, a fantastic group of panelists today, Ryan and Hillel. I'll let them introduce themselves in a minute, but I will say that Cross River is, uh, is an investor in Acrylis. So, so they, they participated in our Series C round and I think very, uh, you know, very fitting for the, the session here today. So without further ado, Ryan, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, Ryan Zakarium, General Partner at uh, Jam Special Opportunity Ventures. Uh, we are co-sponsor of two venture funds, Jam Fintop Bank Tech and Jam Fintop Blockchain, uh, that make uh, fintech uh, related investments on behalf of regulated financial institutions. So we have a network of 85 plus banks with uh, assets over a trillion dollars when combined um, that are our underlying investors in those funds. And really what we're trying to do is invest in technology and, and be kind of outsourced R&D for innovation-minded banks. Um, and that's it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So Hillel Olivestone, Head of Corporate Development at Cross River. Um, Cross River, if you don't know, is an infrastructure provider to the fintech ecosystem. Um, we work with companies like Oculus, for example, um, to help support online lending companies, payment companies, cryptocurrency companies. Some of these companies are firm, Upstart, Rocket, Coinbase, are all clients of Cross River and have scaled on our platform and technology and regulatory infrastructure. So while at the same time we invest uh, in ourselves by building our tech stack, we also invest and in, I run something called Cross River Digital Ventures, which is our venture arm where we invest directly in companies like Oculus and also an LP in, in, in different funds, for example, uh, in Jam. So we, we're a little bit of a family up here, uh, all working together, but we very much believe in investing and building our own technology. Awesome. So jumping right off that, Hillel, tell us a little bit about your, your investment strategy and investment perspective. Sure. So as I said, we, we have a dual approach investing in ourselves. So we have a large uh, technology team consisting of about 150 developers and engineers across the globe, uh, located in the US and Israel. Um, so we continue to build our core stack. But at the same time, we believe that you know, Crossover is well-situated in the ecosystem to invest in different parties that we work with and create synergies. So these could be vendors, providers, uh, or companies that we work with, or direct clients, but at the same time, vendors and platforms and, and, and companies that we work with, for example, again, like Oculus, uh, which we worked very closely during PPP, where we saw value a as a customer in a relationship. So we'll take an equity stake in them, and, and that will allow us to... you know. Uh, help further that company and work with them closely and develop develop a better relationship. And Ryan, what about you? 
Um, so we're early stage investors. We're investing typically at Series A. These are companies with a million dollars in annual recurring revenue, four to five banks as customers. And um, what they're looking for us to do is basically help them from an operational perspective so that we can, you know, kind of scale that up. We're funding like a really discrete part of their growth curve. Um, so building, you know, strong sales organizations. And it's really facilitated by this fact that, you know, I think the cores have kind of come to this conclusion now that they don't have to be all things to all people. So there's, you know, much more focus on kind of this hub and spoke model um, where you can plug in, you know, ancillary technologies to solve some of your problems rather than, you know, relying on the cores to innovate. Um, And so um, I think that kind of coincident with that, there's been this kind of explosion uh, in the number of fintechs. And I think if you're a bank and you're trying to, you know, be open-minded about innovation, you know, you come to Lend It and you see there's 500 companies and it's it's pretty overwhelming to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, drink from that fire hose. And so we, you know, occupy this role, as I said earlier, of like kind of outsourced R&D, you know, we're, we're trying to generate really strong investment returns. That's our incentives. But from the bank's perspective, you know, we're trying to effectively identify what their pain points are, what their speci- specific strategic imperatives are, and then invest in technologies that solve for those. And if we do that, they're going to use the technologies and it creates this kind of unfair advantage, positive feedback loop. Fantastic. So I think you, you made an interesting comment, which is, you know, hundreds of companies here and it's hard to in some cases, it's hard to tell one company apart from another. Um, and particularly on the lending side, you know, I think it, the differentiation is becoming increasingly challenging. So what are your views on uh, differentiation lending and what, what, what creates a strategic advantage? Yeah, I can start um, and then hello, interested to hear your perspective. But you know, I think this, this is um, you know, interesting topic. You know, banking was previously a place you went. Um, now it's something you do. And in the future, we think it's going to be something that happens kind of in the background passively. And Cross River is doing a great job of, of enabling this future. But I think the future of lending is going to be much more of this kind of, you know, passive approach that's controlled by non-banks, you know. So there's tons of companies that we interact with on a daily basis that have deep connectivity, tons of data. Um, they're embedded in the workflows of their customers, ERP systems, accounting systems, um, you know, there's thousands of, of software platforms and, and they're better positioned and closer to the customer and better positioned to actually make the underwriting decision, um, you know, than a bank may be. So I think that, um, you know, the future is this kind of embedded lending construct where you're going to be leveraging technology and connectivity to these you know, platforms on an industry-specific, you know, niche basis to, to make, you know, lending platforms with a, you know, innovation-minded, sophisticated, compliant, you know, bank in the background. Um, completely agree. Um, but, you know, I, I think over the years we've, conce- we've seen that fintech companies have spread it up and their, their application flow and, and speed to provide credit has obviously always been an advantage over a bank that has obviously... Um, ancient systems and back-end technology that is really not there for scalability and speed. Um, we see more and more financial institutions um, embedding other solutions into their stack um, and continuing to you know, improve their actual processes. One of the companies that we've invested into, for example, is a company called Lev. So we've 
historically had a bit of a split business where we have a fintech approach and we also have a historical um, bank approach, which is where the, the company actually started. Commercial real estate has been something that we've struggled with actually, you know, well, Jill likes to say, our CEO likes to say, fintechizing. Um, so we haven't been able to actually apply technology in that space. So Lev uh, came across with their ability to create a marketplace for origination of commercial real estate. And we said, that was pretty interesting. Let's take a stake in that company, actually work with them closer, and transform our commercial real estate approach. Um, so we'll continue to do that across different businesses. We're seeing more and more financial institutions adopting other technologies into their stack, into their technology to enable the access to credit and speed of, of their offering. Very interesting. I, I personally am fascinated with this concept of embedded lending and, and also verticalized lending. Uh, about about two years ago, I wrote a, a blog post about uh, a hypothetical software company for barber shops that then spun up a lending businesses business for those barber shops. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see that a company called Squire has popped up and has now raised, I believe, over a hundred million dollars to provide financial products to barber shops. Um, and I really did not know about them in advance of writing the article. The CEO did ping me and say, "Hey, we already." exists? And I said, that's amazing. Um, so on that same vein, what else are you guys seeing out there? What, what are the interesting companies in the either verticalized or embedded lending uh, you know, area? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think that there's a bunch of kind of new uh, tech providers that are kind of creating that future that you talk about. I think it's companies like Nimbus, companies like Treasury Prime. Uh, we have an investment in Treasury Prime and Transparency, um, you know, Sinterra Unit uh, that are providing these kind of integration layers um, that allow the back end bank to speak to this, you know, niche group of customers. And I think, you know, we talk, uh, you know, in our halls about, like, this is not that new. MBNA did kind of affinity banking and credit cards 25, 30 years ago. Um, this is just kind of the, the next iteration of it because to, to your point on this, the, the, the Barber Bank, um, the technology has become a lot cheaper, a lot more accessible, a lot more off the shelf. So you can really leverage it um, and kind of de-risk on the front end. So, um, you know, but but some of those platforms are, are some of the, you know, kind of the greatest connectivity. And then there's companies like Kodat um, and Finzact, um, or, I'm sorry, not Finzact, um, Fispan, you know, that are, you know, providing those API layers as well. Uh, to continue on the embedded finance thought, I mean, we're seeing a lot of a lot of different companies coming directly to us. A little bit skipping over some of the companies that you mentioned before. Um, Want to work directly with financial institution to be able to offer credit or other financial services. Um, they're seeing their platform with an amazing reach to their consumers and, and users, um, and they're coming to us to create those products. At the same time, a lot of the other traditional fintech companies are expanding their offering. Right? They've always started with one product and expanding across to different to different products as well. I mean. You can't make a lot of money on interchange uh, and debit card transactions. And at the end of the day, lending is really where everyone's going to end up. Um, so be able to offer those offerings and be able to reach out to create those products for their end users is really where all these companies are going. And we're, we're obviously having a lot of those conversations today. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the killer app, right? Like lending is the killer app. That's the hard thing to do. I think what we saw with neobanks, particularly in the kind of post-COVID era, is it's really easy to accumulate deposits. Um, it's hard to lend and it's hard to lend through a cycle um, and, and you know, be a kind of a continual capital provider through volatility. Um, and I think that that's what's going to differentiate, you know, banks, uh, you know, that, that thrive and survive from those that do not. Awesome. 
All right, we're going to shift to a, a question from the audience. And if you have any additional questions, we're happy to take them. We had one come in. What is the best way to engage and bring opportunities for investments or bring companies that are mom and pop and don't realize they're already doing what most fintechs promise to do? That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I haven't <laughs> encountered many of those. Again, I think our, our threshold for investing in companies is companies that have you know, kind of an institutional grade sales process, SOC audits that know what it means to sell into a bank, vendor diligence process. That stuff is 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 kind of hard to to stitch together. It's a lot of work, and we don't, yeah, we don't see a ton of um, kind of you know crude, you know, companies. Yeah, so we we do see a lot of early stage companies. We're we're pretty excited about talking to them. Um, I think one of the advantages <clears throat> one of the advantages of Cross River is that you have access to key stakeholders across the organization that have really worked with early stage companies. Um, so we'll always talk to you. We'll always try to iterate with you and ideate and try to figure out a way you can scale your company, access different services across the fintech ecosystem, and and, and help your and consumers and users. So um, it doesn't have to be a fine you know a fine proof p- a pitch and and fine tune pitch and and be perfect. We'd love to hear the ideas and, and talk with you. Awesome. We got another one that just came in. How is your bank or banks in your network thinking about partnering up versus building in-house? So, I mean, over the years, we've built things in-house. Um, that was sort of been uh, the, the, the position of our, of our tech team. Um, but as we've looked to, ex- to provide uh, you know, additional products and services... Um, we're looking to partner. And that's also because the fintech ecosystem itself has matured. Right? You're seeing a lot of different companies focusing on specific, specific use cases and then standing up those different services. Argyle, for example, different payroll services. Like Plaid always was one, and everyone's trying to copy what Plaid is doing in different areas and verticals. Um, so it, today it makes a lot more sense to partner versus previously um, where you actually actually build, build those solutions yourself. I mean, I think Cross River is uh, an atypical bank. I mean, there's 5,000 community banks in this country. Um, most of them don't have the human or economic uh, capital to, you know, build technology um, in-house. I mean, there are some that, that have and do, and it's purpose-built for their customer set, um, and it works really well. Um, but I think, by and large, a lot of these new opportunities um, are manifesting because uh, there's accessible technology that interfaces with their you know, legacy systems and, and, and de-risks it on the front end. So by and large, we're seeing kind of partnership. And I think that that's part of kind of this more wholesale change, you know, in, in uh, you know, kind of the early days of fintech. Um, you know, it was a, an us versus them mentality that both the fintechs and the banks had. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, COVID and, and, you know, kind of the speedy rollout of PPP, you know, demonstrated to banks that there's value in partnership. Um, and I think that that's just been a major accelerant to, you know, banks being really open-minded about partnering versus building everything in-house or working with a small set of vendors like the cores that you're comfortable with. So on a, on a related point, I think, you know, historically, banks and lenders um, were more secret about what's in their tech stack and what is their secret sauce, right? Now there's been a shift from building in-house towards adopting technology. With that shift, is there also more of an openness about talking about, you know, what's under the hood? Um, or is it still kind of hush-hush about, you know, what's powering the lender? So we work with about 20 different lending platforms, and I would say some of them, in the end of the day, are hush-hush about their credit model, um, how they're actually underwriting their users. That's a key differentiator. But at the same time, 
different features associated with the onboarding process or how are you imputing, uh, imp importing data, um, they're sort of opening that up. For us, we are obviously open um, with all our APIs and everything that we provide because we want to be able to have, enable uh, different companies to build on top of CrossRiver. Um, in the end of the day, I think everyone is sort of realizing that an open framework um, is more advantageous for the end users and the companies, um, but you know, some people are still keeping everything pretty close to the chest. Yeah, I mean, I think the opportunity set is so large, and while technology can be a differentiator, I also think the connectivity to the customers that we were talking about, the industry-specialized verticals, um, being a part of workflows that are organic to treasurers at a company is 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 sometimes more important, um, and the technology can be somewhat composable sometimes. Awesome. We'll take one more from the audience. Uh, this one probably for Hillel. What are some examples of partners that enable companies like yours to scale? So we have different backend providers, um, processors obviously on the card side. Um, we work with Visa DPS, we work with I2C, we work with Marketa. Um, so these companies are, are really great at doing different things. Um, from Marketa, obviously program management uh, and launching different debit card programs. We sort of give a pick and choose uh, and bring your core processor to cross server that enables our end users and end clients to really customize their solution for their end customer, which is what we've always looking to achieve. Um, and that allows us to scale as well. Um, so in the end of the day, we have a bunch of different service providers on the back end that our customers plug into, and that enables them to create the specific solution that they're looking for. All right, we're uh, we're running up on time here. I'm going to finish off with with one more. Wouldn't be a wouldn't be a, a, a panel here without some predictions. So, guys, I'm going to ask you sir, for some quick predictions. What's the most impactful tech trend you see in the financial services lending industry over the next two to three years? I mean, we we said it already, unfortunately, and I think we're probably going to agree. But like, I think embedded finance is really opening the entire world to lending uh, to a, compl a completely different scale. Um, really lending, but I mean, I just think, uh, as Ryan said before, your ability to access financial services is going to be completely different uh, than the way it is now. I mean, you, banks will be there. I think you have to have a regulated you know, infrastructure on the back end. I don't think that's ever going to be removed, but I don't see you know, Black & Decker becoming a bank. Um, I don't see all these institutions or retails uh, providers um, actually doing that, but they are going to want to offer financial services because of their access and connectivity to the consumer and user. Um, and as technology continues to improve, that entire holistic platform will continue to, to evolve. I mean, I echo the sentiments. I mean, that's... Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, very well said. I, I totally I, agree. I think we all agree on this one. The, the, the tech, the underwriting tech, Acrylis, Plaid, other companies, um, is, is allowing that piece of the stack to become more commonplace. And I think that really shifts extra attention to, to you know, who has the data advantage and who has the vertical specificity to serve their customers. Uh, we're always amazed to see it at Acrylis, but, you know, especially in the small business lending space, the number one driver of who accepts a, a loan offer is speed and user experience, not price. Mm -hmm. People care so much about having a good user experience and getting fast, rapid response. Um, and we, we do expect that trend to carry through in, in other industries and into the future. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. Hello. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Appreciate you having us.